the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take that journey back to the new generation. We look at stuff that happened back then. We look at it through today's eyes, see if it held up. Most of the time it does. Sometimes it does not. And uh, this week's uh, kind of, I've, I've alluded to this for a couple weeks coming, but this week's guest, this week's show, this week's spotlight is going to be on the man made in the USA, Lex Luger, with a man not made in the USA, the great returning Adam Hughes. I was wondering what you were going to call me when you said the great re, but uh, <laughs> yes, uh, oh, here to talk about the perfectly rated Lex Luger. That's right. <laughs> uh, which also perfectly timed because it was just announced that uh, WWE have started this documentary series. It's once a month. They did one on Yokozuna, uh, Beth Phoenix for some reason. Uh, this month it's going to be Rob Van Dam, and next month it will be uh, today's topic, uh, Lex Luger. So that should be fantastic. What a lead-in, huh? They, they'll do a WWE, what is that, Untold? Is that the series, or wh- which is the series they do on these guys? Uh, I think it's called Icons. Icons, okay, there you go. Look at you. What a, exactly. what a, what a mark all up on his WWE-produced uh, content. But the Icon series, I, the Yokozuna one was very good. So if they did that well with Yoko, I'm sure Luger, they'll probably trash him a little bit and then put him over. Yeah, and I think it's a sign that uh, Luger will be going into the Hall of Fame yeah. next year. Yeah. Hopefully Which... they got the ramp prepared. <laughs> next <laughs> Exactly. For the fans, for the fans. (laughs) Yes, the ramp for the fans, of course. And the Titantron. You always need a ramp for the Titantron. Uh, But Lex Luger, the man made in the USA. Now, I've talked about the narcissist on the airwaves here, or as uh, Bobby Heenan liked to call him, narcissist. We've (laughs) talked about him before, but we really didn't dig into the man made in the USA era. We've talked about the uh, the Tatanka feud, and for those that didn't see that coming – Included. I did not see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was a great little side stop for Luger, who only the summer prior was on this trajectory to the stars, which must have hit somewhere around uh, Venus and it came right back to Earth. Because as I've listened to leading up to this, as I've been preparing to chat with you about it, I still think the question is why Lex Luger didn't win the world title at SummerSlam. What, 25 to almost 30 years, 28 years later. We're still wondering why the fuck Lex Luger didn't win the world title at SummerSlam. <laughs> well, uh, based on my research, we may have the answer. And we're going to dig into that research. So let's go back to 1993. Okay. The glorious year of 1993. We're listening to our Nirvana. Some of us may have been getting ready for Green Day or The Offspring. What uh, the fuck? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of mid 90s bands. 
Um, but Lex Luger was a bad guy. He was the narcissist. He was knocking people out with his forearm. He had the cape. He had the muscles. He had the mirror. He was the prototypical bad guy. But then they had a body slam challenge. Who's going to slam Yokozuna? Who's going to step up and fight for America? So what do we have? We have football players from all over the United States. We have weightlifters. We have random celebrities, and we have wrestlers. Uh, but none of them can get the job done until from way deep on the horizon comes a, a helicopter with a American flag shirted, very high jeans. It was July 4th. He's wearing jeans and cowboy boots. Lex Luger slamming Yokozuna, thus starting the man made in the USA the summer of Lex. What do you remember about Luger in that that time frame? That, that whole time frame was because uh, we used to get WCW on free TV over here in uh, lovely, lovely Ireland. So I always was a huge fan of his WCW era. Then I remember his debut at WrestleMania 8. Yes. And he was uh, the biggest he'd ever been in size, uh, apparently completely drug-free, which is this crazy thing. <laughs> he looked like he was inflated for that appearance. He was so he was, he was enormous, but strangely, he didn't debut from WrestleMania 8 until the Royal Rumble 93. Where the fuck was he for that year? Well, he he had had a couple stops. He did the WBF Body Stars. He almost played a co-host to Vince McMahon in that time frame, but not on the wrestling side of the of the Titan Sports Empire. He was on the WBF side, and that's how they, quote, signed him because they were able to bring him in on the WBF side, and he had had the motorcycle accident or whatever the hell happened to him, and he was recovering. So he wasn't ready to be a wrestler, so they signed him to be a part of the WBF. Which, if you were looking at him, yes, he might have lifted a few weights with the aid of some other substances at some point. Yeah, and but the, the narcissist gimmick, like obviously, it's kind of a lazy one. But oh yeah, it was genius right. the way it was produced. Like he would walk to the ring with uh, all those mirrors. Uh, at Mania Nine, he had those hoors and thongs with him. Those cunt bitches not to be sexist those they were probably backstage preparing dinners for the boys <laughs> among uh, other things <laughs> yeah but I, I thought that the narcissist gimmick uh obviously he was uh became a bigger deal but i thought that was his best look ever i love the the entrance music the the, the cape thing how yeah. he would reveal himself mm -hmm. his gear uh i thought it was really really good and um but you could tell that uh, WWE really had plans for him because, as we spoke before my previous appearance, they teased the Luger versus Bret Hart feud before Mania 9. Right. And then nothing came of it. And as yeah. you mentioned, that stuff on the, uh, the Body Slam contest, uh, Scott Steiner was there, who was the original choice for this real American hero uh, gimmick, who turned it down stupidly. Lex Luger got it and was perfect for him. Yeah, he was. I can't see Scott Steiner, even in that era, being this man in the USA and all about the people. It just it doesn't fit right. It fits Luger right, because at least we knew Luger as a top guy from WCW. You know, we knew he was a world champion, even though they tried to pretend like he's a newcomer. You know, they I love when they always do that shit back in the day. But yeah, narcissist. Perfect. The uh, well, not not perfection because obviously we know he would battle Mr. Perfect, but for him it was actually it was on point. 
The USA thing, I mean, if you want to look at it from like a creative perspective, he looks great draped in the red, white, and blue, it, it, wearing the tassels, wearing the gear, the knee pads. It looks phenomenal. But we're just used to knowing this guy as an asshole and, a, and an egomaniac. But now all of a sudden he's literally kissing babies, shaking hands, and riding a bus around America. How does somebody from Ireland get into that? Well, uh, the, the well, see, Bruce Springsteen, of course, is beloved over here. So, uh, and we, an American, is used to be liked uh, internationally, <laughs> you know. And then uh, uh, George W. Bush happened. Not to get political, because we all love uh, Trump's a great guy. But uh, the narcissist stuff, I thought it was the perfect way to bring him in as a heel, to the point that I have heard Pritchard say that before. The, the 93 run of Hulk Hogan didn't work. The initial plan was to build to Luger versus Hulk Hogan as the narcissist right. for WrestleMania 10. Which makes sense. Yeah, That's and uh, they, uh, which I would have loved to have seen them wrestle back then because in 96 or 97 in WCW, they worked some of Luger's best ever matches. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Luger, uh, I have to say, reminds me a lot of uh, John Cena in that he wasn't great all the time, but when he did have a great match, it was excellent. Like like a Ben Affleck performance, rarely good, but when it's good, you watch it about 20 times. <laughs> That's a damn fine comparison. It's, uh, it's very on point. Yeah, I mean, Luger and Sting back in WCW, you know, anything that Luger did in a, in a big – I mean, the, the, the Hulk Hogan match on Nitro – was like, you know, at that point, I think a lot of people kind of overshadow it. But that was huge. You know, Luger was the most over guy for two weeks in 1997. <laughs> and everybody seems to forget it. But had that been four years prior, it would yeah. have been a whole different story for Lex Luger, who goes from being at the literal top of the food chain to uh, if an afterthought was even the the comparison, that's given him a lot because he's not even after. He's just not even a factor by the end of his run. Yeah, but the craziest thing about the, the Luger versus Yokozuna thing is on the WWE Network, there's a three-hour-long documentary about Lex Luger versus Yokozuna. That's the longest one they've ever made. And uh, so it, it just it doesn't make sense that they went they pushed him more than anyone ever. Like for even compared to like the John Cena's and the Steve Austin's. Nobody got a fucking a, a tour around America to no. to promote themselves, and then you get the SummerSlam, which you know it, it's not a classic. It's a good match with, but it just has the the most baffling uh, finish to a match. Uh, I'd say one of the worst book decisions ever. Oh yeah, oh especially in the post Hogan era. There's there's probably that and then maybe like 10 runs down the ladder, the next one, because it's so epically bad that he's it's not only that he wins via countout and he uses the forearm, whatever. It's the celebration. It's the whole dropping of the confetti and the Steiners and the Macho Man and Tatanka in the ring and everybody celebrating. And Jim Cornette, I, I've listened to what he had to say about it a million times. He couldn't even believe it that all that buildup. And he gets to the building and finds out that day Luger's not going to get the title. And it's like, why did you bother even investing that time? And it was, oh, well, we'll do it at WrestleMania. 
that might as well have been, you know, two decades away from yeah. August to March of from August 93 to March 94, way too far down the road. They they should have at least had a what was the the other guy? It was Ludwig Borger. Is that the right name? Yeah, who was uh, in Die Hard three? Just to point that out, uh, he he should have done like a run in and the heel heat of costing Luger the match, or you temporarily put the title on Luger, do some sort of crazy finish then on Raw, you trade the belts back or whatever. It, it, it was a, a baffling, horrible, horrible booking choice, but. Luger was planned to get the title down the line. Right. Yeah, eventually we would know he would he would be planned to get it, but that was the spot to do it. Now, the Ludwig Borga thing, we've done a whole Ludwig Borga retrospective with uh, with my TMPT brother there, Mr. Uh, John Paz, because John Paz is maybe the only Ludwig Borga fan on planet Earth and tell you everything about him up and down, including what kind of aftershave he wore. But besides that, like Luger and Borga, okay, that matches up. It's not going to be something you're going to see as a catch-as-catch-can classic, but had Luger had the belt, at least you knew if you wanted to get it off of him, Borga beating him might have been a good choice, but it's like their matches – which they had on the house show loop basically between SummerSlam and, and when Borga left in January are like flag matches. They're like these pointless one-on-one matches that have no substance. And if you were there in attendance, you're probably like, what's the point of this being the main event? And what makes it even weirder is that Luger uh, going into at Survivor at SummerSlam, the next pay-per-view was Survivor Series where the title wasn't even defended anyway. No. So they, they easily could have put the belt on Luger, give him uh, like a run for the summer as world champion to then lose it back on a on a, a big house show or a TV special or a fucking Raw, whatever. It's just, I'll, I'll never get that. And the next time I see Vince McMahon, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Now, obviously, you've seen the clip of uh, Luger with the WWF title. And mm-hmm. when they, you know, whether, you know, you, you believe what Cornette had to say about it, that it was just kind of one of those little sight gags or people that think, oh, they were trying to maybe build an open for after Luger wins the belt. But nonetheless, they film a thing at one of the Monday Night Raws where they they awkwardly announce him as the new world wrestling federation champion he comes out to his music he parades around the ring with the belt on and then over his head looking like a goof <laughs> what kind of a go- like what what top baby face good guy is gonna be like yeah let me go pretend that i'm this champion in front of the all these adoring fans of mine just despite the bad guy manager makes no sense but you see him with the belt you're like all right it could have worked yeah but then there's all this talk that leading up to WrestleMania. 10, the plan was for Luger to beat Yokozuna and then go on to beat Bret Hart in the main event who was going to be cost the match by Owen. Right, right. Makes sense. Which I, I think would have worked, uh, especially because, like, and not to be a, you know cheesy, but some people just suit the look of champion. Like, uh, I remember, uh, not that this is new generation stuff, but when Goldberg first won the belt. Yeah. I mean, he came out on that next Nitro and he's standing there and he's just so huge and the fireworks going off and the belts around his waist. And it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. This guy's a star. And you see that belt on Luger and it made sense. But again, yeah. on that night, WrestleMania 10, Luger was made to look stupid. He got disqualified by Mr. Perfect, which led to nothing. 
led to absolutely nothing. So it rekindled a thought of last year where Mr. Perfect's a baby face and Luger is the heel. Now it's flip-flop uh, Mr. Perfect, and we will point out quite possibly the perfect uh, referee attire, the uh, the one-piece or two-piece, whatever, zebra <laughs> sweatshirt and sweatpants. Perfect. Uh, it just kind of – it was awkward. But just to go back to before SummerSlam – so Luger's on the Lex Express. Yokozuna's still doing the towns and the house show loops. He's facing Bret Hart nearly every night in steel cage matches. But right before SummerSlam, and this is this is baffling, they have a non-title match <laughs> at the Mid-South Coliseum as part of a USWA card where Luger beats Yokozuna in a non-title match as the main event. Like two nights before SummerSlam. <laughs> It's what? ridiculous. <laughs> Who booked that? Uh, Jerry Jarrett? Like, oh, come on. Yeah, but the, the whole thing is that uh, I forgot where it was going, but with, with Luger's build uh, going into Mania, it, it really did seem like they were trying to bury him. And I'd love to know specifically when the plans changed. Because yeah. there's that famous rumor that Luger could yell that because he was in a bar drunk, giving away the, the finish to uh, fans, but the, I, I really, really can't see that. Yeah, I don't know. That seems a little a little odd. The, the Monday Night Raw taping the night after SummerSlam, he faces Shawn Michaels, uh, who's the IC champ. He wins via countout again, so he's on a winning streak of, of countouts. And it's like, how is this guy, if he can't even beat the undercard champion and he just won via countout against the world champion, knocked him out, what it was? What is this? The countdown, uh, countout streak? What are we doing? Reverse Tatanka? You know, like it's so dumb. And just as a cheap plug, you know who makes a uh, an appearance in that Lex Luger Yokozuna documentary? Who is that? The lovely Francine. Oh yes, that's very true. So on the uh, on the road to uh, uh, her superstardom of being a, uh, a queen of extreme, she won. She famously talked about this. If you signed up to our Patreon, you would know all about it. But, you know, I haven't seen the name recently. Uh, we did a whole thing. She won a contest, a part of a WWF WrestleMania, the album record release. She won a contest to be at the release party in New York City. So her and a friend of hers fly up to New York. And they're part of this release party. It had uh, Vince. It had Tatanka, Hacksaw, Luger, Macho Man, and maybe one other person. And that footage that they show, people are like, oh, that's where she broke into the business. It's like, no, she just won a contest as a fan. And she actually sat ringside at Monday Night Raw and a couple of those Raws in the summer of 93. You see her in the front row. <laughs> and uh, based on the way Luger looked at Francine, he wanted to fuck the shit out of her. <laughs> we'll talk off air. <laughs> I'll tell you something <laughs> later on. <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, you mentioned the name and we're kind of uh, backtracking again. Uh, Lex Luger's pay-per-view debut in WWE was at the King of the Ring yes. 93, where again there was the bad booking of he went to a count out uh, with to a count out draw or a time limit draw, I should say, with Tatanka. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, in 1994, one of the best storylines ever, which I absolutely loved. And at the time, I think it was the first time it had ever been done. Lex Luger's feud with uh, Conan, who, when I was a kid, I thought, uh, sorry, with Tatanka, 
who when I was a kid I thought was Conan because they, <laughs> they had the same face. Uh, they had this fucking excellent storyline where Luger was allegedly uh, teaming up with the, uh, the Million Dollar Man who was the leader of the heel faction at the time. The twist being that it was revealed that it was Tatanka who was a member of the Million Dollar Corporation and uh, he had been trying to make Luger look bad, which he did. He did. He definitely did. Again, hook, line, and sinker. Fell for it. It, it was so well done. And maybe looking back also being 12 at the time and not really maybe grasping what I was about to see, you go back and watch it, and it was very well done. And you're just sitting there going, no, Tatanka's just defending the good guys and being like, well, why is he turning his back on his fans? I thought he's the uh, the All-American hero. When it turns out, Vince McMahon's probable dislike for Native Americans and their greed at casinos <laughs> fueled heel Tatanka. <laughs> and uh, didn't Luger do the job in that match too? Yeah, and he gets beat down. I mean, not only does he do the job, he gets hit with the finisher three times after the bell rings. He's getting stomped. I mean, he is absolutely getting destroyed. But if you want to look at it from the grand scheme of things, fans ate it up. They're booing the shit out of Tatanka. They're cheering for Lex. So in essence, it actually kept him kind of strong because the fans were just so mad at Tatanka. But that marquee match on SummerSlam 94, like two months later, is a shit Main event on a random tape Monday Night Raw with no steam whatsoever. They killed them. Yeah. But the crazy, when you think about it, so his first pay-per-view was against Tatanka, uh, which was a double, which was a time limit draw. Uh, SummerSlam, he fucking uh, wins by countdown. Uh, I can't remember Survivor Series. The it Royal was, Rumble. A random uh, Survivor Series match, just a four-way. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure his team won. His yeah. uh, the Royal Rumble went to that weird loss. The he, he could squalify at Mania 10, lost to fucking the Tonka at SummerSlam. He had no pinfall wins on pay per view, not even on King of the Ring 1994. What happened to King of the Ring 94? Not even on the card. Lex Luger is not even on the show. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so in a year, he goes from on King of the Ring, makes his pay-per-view debut, main eventing SummerSlam, and essentially basically being the central figure for every super card after to not being on King of the Ring 94. Uh, makes you wonder why they didn't go with Brett versus Luger, which would have been a logical follow-up. Don't know. But then, uh, uh, according to Conan and Disco, Luger and Brett didn't get along. Yeah, no, I've heard that. That's... Uh... That's absolutely uh, seems like that's the case. But why would you think you think a guy like Bret Hart may be a little uh, looking down the nose at a guy like Luger? I think that uh, Bret, that Lex Luger reminded Bret Hart too much of the 80s, which Bret's ego despised because he wasn't uh, the top guy. So I'm thinking Bret had a feeling if Luger wins this, it's just going to be the same shit same all over again. Right. Right, where Brett and Shawn Michaels are kind of changing the mold a little bit at that point, you know, having better matches, being in bigger spots on the cards, and then there's Luger, just the typical big guy that Vince would like. But, hey, as a fan of that Federation era, those are the guys I liked on top. Now, I do like Bret Hart on top. Bret Hart's, you know, in the, in the conversation for an all-time favorite. But 
I like the big hulking monster as the the champion. That's who I picture as a wrestler, not a guy who's not not Bret Hart, but a guy who's you know five five and can do seventeen uh, flips. That's not yeah. a world champion. A world champion is this dude who you walk through the airport. What do they always say? The the test is you walk through the airport and you know who the wrestler is. When you see Lex Luger, that's a wrestler. Yeah, and I always remember. I know I'm skipping way back again. It was '93. It was on a Monday Night Raw before SummerSlam '93. There's this great promo of uh, there's Cornette, Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna, and it's like a contract signing. Yes, yeah. And Lex Luger comes out in this suit, and he he looks like a fucking megastar. He just got a freshly trimmed mullet, so he's not looking like a 1980s guy. He looks great. Uh, then he cuts this really intense promo, and he starts sweating while doing it. And Cornette's going back and forth, and Luger's holding his own, and it's just it's fucking great stuff. And Really, I think that uh, Lax Luger may be the one that raped uh, Stephanie as a kid <laughs> instead of Macho because there's some reason why there's hate there, and I cannot uh, work it out. It's very strange. So I said he wasn't on King of the Ring 94. We know he faces Tatanka at SummerSlam. In between on the house show loops and in the Sunday Night Slam leading into SummerSlam, he's facing Crush every night. So it's like, what are they trying to push? Is Crush now the, even though he's from Hawaii, is he the the foreign heel that's supposed to be going up against the USA. And they're in a stretcher match of all matches. And what, what's the sense in that? He's not even, <laughs> he's not even a built up character at this point, And he's in a gimmick match on house shows in Wheeling, West Virginia of all places where they wouldn't know an American yeah. hero if it hit him in the face. Yeah. And then when you get into SummerSlam uh, 94, it's a good match with the Tonka. Then it just seems that for the rest of the year, it's like, right. Keep that exact same feud going for like another what four or five months. Yeah, and I don't give a shit how good uh, any storyline is. You cannot keep uh, any feud interesting for that length of time. No, the match is only six minutes. Tatanka and Luger. If you watch the whole thing, it seems like it's a half hour because it's so intensely built with the promo pack. Not even the promo package. The reliving. The, the Todd Pettengill interview segment with the two of them in the back where they relive every piece of what happened leading up to it. And Tatanka, again, in his face, I'm going to prove you sold out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. A six-minute match. Tatanka beats him with the fireman's carry, you know, hits him four times with it, whatever. Survivor Series, they're both captaining teams. But I believe Luger loses that one. <laughs> I think he gets eliminated before the uh, the, the the end of the match. Bor- I believe Ludwig Borga wins that one. Uh, in 94? The 94 Survivor Series. I think Luger isn't even uh, the, the uh, on the winning side. I'm, I'm going to look at it right now. My brain being what it is at a ripe old age of almost 40. But uh, let me see here. Tataka, Bam Bam, King Kong Bundy, Dr. Tom, and Jimmy Del Rey defeat Lex Luger, Adam Bomb, Mabel, and the Smoking Guns. When, let's get to the end, Bundy pins Lex Luger with a splash before Luger could get off the mat. Uh, after the bout, Luger was triple teamed by Bam Bam Bigelow, Tatanka, and Bundy. So King Kong Bundy pins Lex Luger at the 94 Survivor Series. Absolutely ridiculous. But uh, then as we get into 95, things did pick up because a really great tag team was formed between Lex Luger and the British Bulldog uh, called the Allied Powers. Now, wouldn't logic state to you that you form this incredible tag team 
uh, this big hyped up tag team with new music, big lighting entrance uh, to, I don't know, maybe have them challenge for the belts maybe. against the heels <laughs> of WrestleMania. But instead they have them going against the Blue Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, that, that makes no sense. Then uh, they go on to uh, In Your House 2. And this is when you know when, when Bookings fucked up or when WWE are getting desperate for like a bump. When the B show is better than some of the A shows. And if you look at the lineup for In Your House 2, uh, it's while the event itself is was okay. The on paper, the name value is fucking incredible. And they did the match of Luger and Bulldog against Yokozuna and uh, Owen Hart, right? Which to me should have been saved for a bigger event or built up for a bigger event. Yep, and it's a great match. So the booking would, of course, say, Right, we've got this great new team, they're really over. The the, 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 the people love them, the matches are good. Let's have them lose <laughs> naturally, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. It's it, it, it's just like like I understand that Owen and Yokozuna were new and were fresh and were getting over, but uh, some don't book the match. Like this is the thing. I'm no fucking wrestling expert. I'm just a fan of the old school. But uh, why does why does people always have to look bad? Surely they can be protected in some way. Yeah, they should. Now, how about this? So the finish of the match has Yokozuna pinning. Lex Luger after a double axe handle by Owen Hart to the back of Lex Luger, seemingly knocking him out cold for then Yokozuna to uh, to to defeat him. Now I want to mention one more thing, but I want to go back quickly to ninety, the early ninety five, the Rumble. Shawn Michaels wins the ninety five Rumble. Okay, could be on paper one of the weakest of all time. The timing was off, the entrances were off. It sucked. There was not a lot of star power. Nonetheless, Luger basically not even a factor in even like the thought. And they have the two guys who are one and two at the end. I, I forget who eliminates Luger, but he's just randomly tossed. Like he's a sack of shit, <laughs> like yeah. it's nothing. And it's like, again, this guy was the co-winner the, the year before. And he's got no place on the next year's Royal Rumble. It's, it's, it's quite the fall. So yeah, that leads into the allied powers, allied powers lead into this tag match that you're talking about here. Randomly. A King of the Ring qualifying match, okay, for the 95 King of the Ring, which we all know, quite possibly the worst WWF pay-per-view of all time. Yokozuna defeats Lex Luger <laughs> via countout after Lex Luger's flag bearer won Scotty Riggs, a.k.a. Scott Anton, is distracted by Mr. Fuji taking the flag. Luger saves the day. Yoko knocks him out. Wins via counter. <laughs> he he uh, has so much hate since day one. It, it's ridiculous. It, it's like it's like uh, getting flagged on you on uh, Facebook for copyright strikes, and then immediately restarting another YouTube show that flags copyright. And seemingly being like, you know, we're just going to do what we want. It's just uh, they don't. Nobody learns their lesson. Essentially, yeah, you would think someone would would catch on eventually, there, man. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, in, in terms of Lex Luger, I would say the uh, the year didn't get much better um, in the WWF world. He would have to leave, which he did 
Two months later, after King of the Ring, obviously he leaves to go to Nitro. The whole, how did this guy go from being basically on a WWF house show the night before to then being on Monday Nitro, or we was on SummerSlam. If you recall, the last image of Lex Luger on WWF TV, he randomly runs out in the main event of Diesel and Mabel, gets knocked off the apron, and he's gone. See, that's the thing that I cannot understand. How the fuck did Lex Luger get uh, booked to do that spot? There has to be some sort of insider rib that did, did he I, I've always wondered was it like improvised should I say like how did they say hey Lex even though you've no contract why don't you run out into the main event of the pay-per-view just go that that's the thing when I interviewed Bruce Pritchard which you can hear on uh, iTunes and Spreaker on it's huge hello or a uh, huge entertainment on YouTube Pritchard uh, I, I forgot to ask Bruce Pritchard this but it just makes no sense what the fuck happened? Uh, why didn't they at least book on uh, SummerSlam '95 a Luger versus Bulldog match? Luger had a uh, Bulldog had just turned heel. Allied Powers broke up. That could have been how you get rid of Luger. He loses to the new heel on his final night. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Bulldog's on the show. Oh no, no. Davy Boy Smith defeats Ray. No, no. That's the next night. My bad. No, Bulldog's not on SummerSlam '95. Uh, so you're booking is the most logical thing because yeah. that's what a guy does when he leaves the company, he loses. And then instead he, he comes out, he attacks Sir Mo and gets knocked off the apron, runs away. And that's the end of Luger. He shows up the next night on Monday nitro. Yeah. And the worst thing about it is because I remember watching raw a lot during those days was that I think it was just the week before SummerSlam. The, the match was for some reason men on a mission versus Diesel and the British Bulldog. Yeah. Who randomly, who, for no logical reason, no reason why it was a Shawn Michaels or Razor. Uh, it just ended up being Bulldog who turned heel. And then I remember SummerSlam 95 well because it was one of my first uh, VHSs. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, they did a thing where they showed Bulldog arriving at the venue. And you think, well, why, why show that? Yeah, it, very it's, odd. It, yeah, it was so fucking stupid. They should have had Bulldog versus Luger. I've thought of that for years. Uh, I hate it. So weird. Actually, you know what? It's his last TV appearance uh, at SummerSlam '95. He did have a house show uh, <laughs> the night before. He shows up on on Nitro. He's at a house show. And I'm just trying to find out which one it was. I see him here, Erie, Pennsylvania, as part of a Superstars taping. Uh, without giving dead air, I let it go. I guess uh, Yokozuna pins <laughs> Lex Luger. Uh, I think this was this it. Uh, yeah, it was in Canada, and then the next night he's in Minnesota for Nitro. It, it, it's just horrible. Uh, it's one of those things that with Vince uh, WWE, and we've seen it happen a few times where he gets a great a great thing and fucks it all up, like with the. Uh, Lex, with Sid, when he came to WWE, I remember at the time getting so excited, thinking, this is going to be great. We're going to have Sid versus Macho, Sid versus Hogan versus Warrior versus uh, uh, The Undertaker. We're going to have all these great matches, and none of them happened. Well, Hogan versus Sid happened. And uh, because Vince fucked it, fucked it all, and I, I just think that with Lex Luger, it's... Uh, it's one of those guys that uh, 
the the IWC have for some reason decided that Lex Luger is a shit wrestler, but when you watch it back, he was fucking great. Yeah. Well, they just hate him because he has muscles and everybody else is just kind of nerdy and they want to see technical masterpieces versus a guy. I just want to see a guy pick somebody up over their fucking head and throw him, which is what Luger essentially did. <laughs> exactly. I, I, he really, he was like the original version of John Cena. Which I'm yeah, no, it's said. a great comparison. And I think he could have been as big as John Cena had that SummerSlam 93 thing happened. And that's the, the baffling thing is that when you hear that the plan was what was in the works at one point for Luger versus Hulk Hogan for WrestleMania, there's your build. You give uh you get Luger the belt at SummerSlam, you keep him like almost the Kurt Angle push, where he's such an American boastful baby face to the point that he turns heel. Then you bring in Hogan and it's who's the real American hero. Yeah. But that's uh, booking in hindsight. Thankfully, we got Thunder in Paradise instead. Oh, I thank God every day for Thunder in Paradise. That's one of the greatest little uh, midday uh, Channel 9 shows I used to watch, the WWOR in New York. That was the best. You sit there f- 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock on a Saturday, you'd watch Thunder in Paradise. Uh, the last match for the man made in the USA, Lex Luger, officially, St. John's, New Brunswick, Canada, WWF IC champion Shawn Michaels and Lex Luger defeat WWF tag team champions Owen Hart and Yokozuna via disqualification after Yokozuna hits Lex Luger with the Japanese flag. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, but that that's that's the thing. Uh, sorry. That, that's one of the things that with Luger is that I think that there's so many fans who first became aware of him from his WWE run that they don't understand what what a pile of shit it was. And, and I think they've let that sort of tarnish their thoughts of him uh, going forward. But uh, as we say, uh, time proved them wrong, uh, proved Vince wrong. Uh, Luger went to WCW after this, uh, had his best run, best matches ever, Got uh, became a genuine draw, became a star, and... Very, very likely going into the Hall of Fame in 2022. Possibly, yeah. I'm sure. All likely seems that it is going in that direction. Uh, up until, I'm going to say, he joined the Wolfpack. When he joined the Wolfpack, it all went downhill. It, I can't see cool, casual Lex Luger versus, you know, oiled up, uh, posing with the fireworks Lex Luger. The Wolf, anybody who touched the Wolfpack, not named, uh, you know, original NWO member and Disco Inferno. Was he technically uh, in the Wolfpack? I'm going to give him the nod. Uh, Luger and Sting, to me, ain't, they ain't NWO, no matter well, what. Well, uh, just as a cheap plug, on Sunday, I'm uploading a video to Keep Number 100 official on YouTube where Disco is talking about the famous cancelled Four Horsemen uh, idea for 98 that was going to be Dean Malenko, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson as manager, and the other two members was Bill Goldberg and Lex Luger. Interesting. We'll have to stay tuned to that. We don't really talk about stuff post-97, early 97, but we will today. Oh, yes. We will. It's okay. Uh, Also, rumor is that Lex Luger was afraid that Dean Douglas was going to give him a bad grade, Uh, maybe one of those double Fs or uh, S minus, something like that. So that could have been another reason why he defected. Very, very possible. But that, uh, I'm a bit of a, well, not, I didn't see much of it, but Dean Douglas, I think, could have been a bigger deal. Oh, hell yes. 
Yes. Knowing the source, he'll tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe him, if you don't believe us, just ask him. He just, uh, yeah, he uh, he'll tell you otherwise. But no, on paper, what he his concept for Dean Douglas originally versus what they turned it into. Two different things, and that's another story for a different day. But gotta love those uh, those gradings. So, all right, let's take Lex Luger in the new generation and look at it one last time. Up until he changes, I'm gonna say narcissist Lex Luger. I'm gonna give him an A plus. The yeah. package fits. No, no pun intended. The package, the music, the robe, the forearm, the the flexing, the mirrors, uh, unbelievable. From the change, July 4th, 1993, to the time he leaves, September 3rd, 1995, what's your grade? Uh, it's It's got to be a, a C+. Plus. That's generous. It's, it's one of the greatest hype, hyped-up matches ever with just flat-out fucking stupidity from Vince. The, the logic behind it. Makes that only makes sense that type of finish if you stick to the plan. When you then change booking plans in hindsight, it just makes Luger look stupid. And uh, I think he uh, deserved the run with the belt, he looked like a champion. Uh, Vince fucked up and not for the first time or last time. Yeah, and with Luger, I mean, you only got one chance because he never brought him back afterwards. And and literally shits on him on the last Nitro when he looks in the camera and says the Lex Express has run out of gas. And seemingly, until the Legends contracts became a thing, Lex Luger was never seen on WWE or WWF television up until very recently in the last couple of years. And it's going to be interesting to see him come back because Lex Luger, who, by the way, played Superman, on uh, yeah. the Superboy TV show. He was one uh, of the villains, yeah. Exactly. It is going to be very interesting to see Lex's return to WWE TV because he's been through a lot of stuff uh, since WCW closed drug addiction. He was in a wheelchair for a while. He's sort of getting back to normal, uh, very open about his past flaws and issues. So uh, I like him. I think he deserves it. And I think he's perfectly rated perfectly rated there's no discussion on whether or not he'd be underrated or overrated he's right where he needs to be he's the total package he was a world champion he was a top draw wherever he went there's absolutely no discussion we don't need again catches catch can toe holds and arm bars and this and that no the guy looked like a wrestler he got in the ring he was believable that he would kick the shit out of a small guy and when he had to face adversity in a big guy you know what he gave you a hip toss. He didn't get a full body slam. So there, you got what you needed. It wasn't this masterpiece that you needed to see. It was exactly what you thought perfectly rated Lex Luger would be. Maybe that should be his next nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one everybody gets me on is Rick Martel. That's the one I laugh my ass off on because oh. he's exactly where he needs to be too. Another story. Love Rick Martel. Not today. Another day. Um, all right. Before we say goodbye, uh, share with the listeners of New Generation Declassified again for your second appearance here, where they can find everything in the world of the Husey Man. Uh, my podcast is called It's Husey Hello. It's a comedy interview uh, podcast, so that means it's very different to everyone else's. Uh, I interview people from the world of uh, comedy, uh, from the world of filmmaking, uh, from the world of music. Got uh, a lot of uh, classic wrestlers on there. Uh, got some porn stars coming up. You can see the video version of said hers on Huge Entertainment on YouTube and check out Keep No 100 official 
on YouTube. That's the official channel for Conan and Disco's controversial podcast, which uh, upsets a lot of people, and I love it. It's the best. I mean, I don't listen to it regularly. I get uh, intel about my uh, baseball guests getting ripped on, but uh, what I do hear, I really enjoy. And again, I've said it a million times, I'd rather listen to two guys wrapped into the business talking about stuff from the past and present than other guys that are just literally talking to themselves, maybe two or three viewers uh, repeatedly about 25-year-old content that they're watching at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they always say the key to success is to get a co-host that can't speak without stuttering to another guy that sounds like a fucking transgender woman. <laughs> are you are you trying to say if you use the word their man or their their man or hear their man that that won't enhance a podcast listening? Yeah, I, I just get this weird thing like uh, I had a, a bullet point thing of notes that I was reading out. Prep. That's all you're gonna do if you if you like to have sex in army barracks, showers or something. You have to prep for it. And that is what I think is the big flaw in what happened with some shows, which I've heard have already been getting sent off to get copy struck again. Crazy. Some people just don't learn, but that's what it's the name of the game. It's preparation. It's knowledge of the content. It's knowledge of the subject matter. And yeah, I'm looking at something too right here, but you know where a lot of it comes from the top of my brain because I've I've watched it. I've studied it. I've talked to the guy. When you actually talk to Lex Luger, it gives you a little bit of a different perspective on some of the things that have happened that you viewed. And this show is not an expert show. This is looking through the eyes of something that happened 25 years ago and saying, does it hold up versus is it shit? And that's the name of the game. And that's why I love doing this show. And I appreciate you coming back because, uh, you know, the, the fact you're passionate about it, man, that makes me uh, that makes me all hot and bothered inside. I don't know. Yes, and uh, hopefully not for the last time I'll be back. And maybe I'll get to talk on the sex with uh, Francine. We will uh, we'll talk in a few minutes here, but we will say goodbye for this new generation declassified. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad E&B on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ibexclusives.com. You can find all my autograph signing shenanigans over there. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, including a private signing I have with the Iron Sheik that's coming up. So you got to act on that one really fast. Uh, if you want to check out the rest of the TMPT Empire, it's tmptempire.com. You find all of our Russo brand stuff on there, including the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas, myself, and John Paz every single week doing it the way the franchise wants. And that's the most important. And of course, uh, what do I got? Francine, patreon.com slash Francine podcast. Uh, join us. It's a lot of fun. You'll laugh your ass off, I think, if some of the weird things we say. So, for It's Husey, hello. This is the Chadster. Goodbye. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.